Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast, where we consider history and our times through the lens of faith, through the lens of character, through the lens of leadership. When I was in college, I was deeply affected by a scholar by the name Francis Schaeffer, and he said something that has stuck in my mind. He said many things that have stuck in my mind ever since, but one of them was that we have a tendency to see the world and to see truth in bits and pieces. We rarely see the whole. As we would say in our modern language, we rarely see things at 30,000 feet. And that's what often takes place in American minds because we, quite frankly, when it comes to international affairs anyway, are not very well educated. And it's also the way people tend to see things in Washington, D.C. I'm sorry to say it. People see things in terms of their industry or their interests or uh, the specific focus of their particular ideology or what they ran for office on, and they don't see the big picture. So I'd like to explain a little bit of what's going on today uh, that's so critical, a little bit of the big battles of our time in terms of sort of a master grid that may help you understand uh, not only what's happening, but how we need to solve these problems. Many people believe that some months ago, a terrorist organization arose out of Gaza and began to attack Israel on October the 7th. They killed 1,400 people, splitting open grandmothers, throwing babies into ovens, uh, committing unbelievable atrocities. And now Israel is counterattacking in Gaza. We're not 100% sure of the numbers. We certainly can't trust the UN or Hamas numbers, um, but it's devastating and thousands and thousands are being killed. Well, The problem is, as ghastly as what I've just said is, the problem is that that's where most Americans stop. They don't realize there's a larger chess game being played, and it's very important that we understand what that game is. Because many of the things that hit our headlines, many of the events happening in our society, and many of the challenges for the West are a result of a greater master plan. And it almost all has to do with Iran. Now, I want to say before I go any further, because I'm going to say some pretty harsh things about Iran, I really like the Iranian people. I've been in Iran. I know a lot of Iranians. Um, Iranians are some of my dearest friends. I know you're not supposed to talk that way, but I don't know how else to say it. Um, I have dear friends who are Iranians, and I've been there many times, and I, I really like the Iranian people. But as I've also said on this podcast, I despise the Iranian government. It is not just Muslim. That wouldn't be a a disturbance to me, but it is Shia Muslim. It is extreme, and it is a primary purveyor of terrorism in the world. It is also anti-the United States, anti-Israel, and it uses clients— terrorist organizations to work its will. And that is what's going on right now. Consider just for a moment that we are dealing, of course, with Hamas uh, ruling Gaza and using it as a base to invade, to terrorize Israel. Why is that? Because the ruling, the old men who run the government in Tehran 
are Shia Muslims of an old school type. They are radically anti-Israel. They want to drive Israel into the sea. Um, They believe it is a Zionist entity. They believe it is an agent of the West. They believe it is evil, and they want to drive Israel into the sea. The West almost always tells Israel in response to incursions against it, let's make peace, let's negotiate a treaty, let's have a ceasefire. They never deal with the root causes of the evils against Israel, but this is what I'm talking about now is not about Israel, and they never deal with the real sources of the violence and the terrorism. The reality is that Iran is managing a global network of terror. It is raising up these organizations. It is training these militants. It is provisioning these militants. So whether we are talking about Hezbollah on the West Bank and in Lebanon, whether we are talking about Gaza down there in the southwest corner of Israel, uh, whether we are talking about the Houthis and, and, and its conflict with Yemen and also now trying to fire missiles into and take over ships going through the Persian Gulf corridor. All of this is sponsored by Iran. Iran is radical. It is retro-Muslim. It is Shia, which has a bit more of a radical edge to it, uh, usually a more mystical edge, but not with these guys. And Iran is a nation that I believe needs to be liberated from the old, radical, angry, retro-Muslim men who run that nation. You know, the average age in Iran is about 30, 32 years old. The population's about 90 million. It's a beautiful nation. Great people, great culture, great food. I grew up, if I may make a personal allusion for a moment, uh, hearing stories about Iran because when my father was a young army officer, he served in Iran uh, and fell in love with the people and talked often about it and the beauty of the people and and, and the, the amazing culture there. So this was part of my home life, even though I was living in Germany and uh, living behind the Iron Curtain in Berlin, as I've shared many times, and, and had more of that emphasis. Germany has, and Europe has more of an imprint on me. Um, I also grew up in the home of a man who had lived for several years in Iran. And those stories and that mystique and his love for the people really infected my soul. In fact, I had, I had both that and my mother's childhood in Asia because she was an army officer's child. So enough about my family. Bottom line is that when you hear these stories when you're young, you look forward to meeting the people. Later in my life, I met the people. I traveled there. I knew people there. I knew people from Iran in D.C., some of my dearest friends to this day, and I am uh, in love with the people. But the government, the Muslim-led, Shia, non-democratic, violent, bloody, radical, angry government of Iran— is behind Hamas and its incursions. It is behind the Houthis and its violence and its bedeviling of the Persian Gulf. It is behind Hezbollah. And by the way, it's behind many, many other independent militias around the world, particularly in the Middle East, that are better provisioned and uh, armed than they ought to be and are doing great damage. Because what Iran wants to do 
is exert its power, yes, worldwide, but mainly in the region. It is rising. It is attempting to take over the Persian Gulf. It wants to drive Israel into the sea, and it wants to drive, hear me now, it wants to drive the United States completely out of the Middle East. That's why there were missile strikes at a U.S. Army post on the eastern edge of Syria, uh, where we were a presence. That's why missiles are falling upon Erbil and on American military installations in Iraq. That's why uh, you see the kind of violence that you see and the stir and the missiles. I have friends in Erbil, they say the missiles are destroying from Iran and from their militias are destroying everything. And here is a Kurdish region. Here is a region that's been on the rise. And so what you must understand is not just the individual peace that Hamas, uh, a radical Islamic organization which has ruled Gaza for a decade and a half, now is uh, taking on Israel. No, that's not what happened. Somebody at Tehran, a group of old men in Tehran have made this decision. This was planned. This was decided. And by the way, it was an answer to Western dithering and weakness. You have to hear me when I say that our weakness and our exit from Afghanistan in such a devastating way. And by the way, I'm sorry to sound somewhat ageist, but our doddering president, all of that sends a signal to the bad guys in the world. Now's the time to strike Western interests. Now's the time to strike where the United States is the primary guarantor of strength. Now's the time to strike where the only opposition we're going to deal with in return, the only retribution we're going to deal with is largely U.S. or U.S.-backed. They don't believe it's going to happen. Watch what happens in Tehran. I've been predicting it for a year and a half. Watch what happens in other parts of the world. Watch what, what happens in the Persian Gulf. We will see the bad guys go on the move. And why? Because we are showing weakness. I'm sorry to speak of this. I have, I'm a Christian who believes very much in showing respect for the aged, but the fact nevertheless is that every time Mr. Biden walks across the stage, every time he speaks of having had a conversation with somebody who's dead, uh, every time we get a report, uh, however biased it may have been, that Mr. Biden is often uh, addled and not clear in his thinking. People put that together with Afghanistan. They put that together with our lack of resolve on the southern border. They put that together with our divided politics. They put that together together with our national debt, and they say America is a declining power, and there's no reason to fear them if we decide to make a move. Now, not long ago, I met with some dear Kurdish friends and some Kurdish officials, and because they know I have a little bit of a voice in D.C. with some people who are influential, they said, would you please tell them that what's happening right now in the Middle East is that Iran is trying to drive the United States out of the Middle East. What, Amer- what a lot of Americans and people in the West don't know is that the main government leaders in Baghdad are completely under the control of Iran. They are largely Shia, uh, whereas Iraq itself is very much mixed, Kurds in the north, Sunnis to some degree, also Shia, to a larger, larger percentage of Sunni and Shia. And other sects and movements, Christians allowed, sometimes Jews, etc. Iraq is very mixed, especially the Kurdish regions. But the government in Baghdad, the Iraqi government in Baghdad, uh, is very much controlled by Tehran, very much controlled by Iran. 
And so you have a move in Iraq to take over that country uh, largely through and put it under the control of Iranian interests. You see, what doesn't have to happen sometimes is that you have an invasion across the border, that people have tried that, and that always, of course, provokes an armed response. What you can do then is have special interest groups and political parties within a country that you control if you're the bad guys. You don't have to send tanks across the border. You can simply cause the country to be taken over from within uh, by people whom you control. That's exactly what's going on in Baghdad. Government in Baghdad is controlled by the Iranians, and it's increasing. This is why uh, there's an anti-American sentiment in uh, Iraq at this point, at least in the official realms. This is why we recently had uh, surveys and polls reported from Iraq that said that, quite frankly, they want America out of Iraq. This is why you have the shellings of Army installations, U.S. Army installations that we've had. So what's going on here in the big picture is that Iran is rising. Iran is on the move. Iran is inciting its various tentacles, its various military forces. Again, Hezbollah in Lebanon, about 140,000 troops, extremely well-armed, could do a lot of damage moving into Israel, which is exactly what they're promising to do. Hamas coming out of Gaza, look at what's come from that. And of course, the whole world now talks about Israel like it's a pariah, when all all it's doing is driving an enemy off its border. Uh, the Houthis in Yemen, the Houthis in uh, the Persian Gulf. Um, and finally, thank God, the U.S. has struck some sites inside of Iran. Finally, they fired back at the Houthis. Finally, we're beginning to answer and maybe live down a little bit of the weak reputation that is causing a lot of this to happen. So what we must understand is that there are essentially three bad actors in the world. And one of them is going to make you angry when I say it because you've watched the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin. But China's on the move, Russia's on the move, and Iran is on the move. What you're seeing in the Middle East, what you're seeing throughout that region, uh, what you're seeing of Americans dying uh, because of missile strikes, what you're seeing of destruction of the Kurdish regions in northern Iraq, are all result of Iran trying to essentially assert power in the Middle East. We're going to have to back them off. We're going to have to take them out. Not the whole nation. No, that's not how we deal with things. But we're going to have to do what we can to get the government in Tehran removed. There are democratic people there. By the way, Iran is one of the places, for those of you who are Christians, uh, Iran is the nation on earth in which the Christian church is growing the most rapidly. And by the way, they do it largely uh, through Western Christian media that gets beyond the censors, and they drive around in their cars, and they hold kind of cell meetings, kind of small group meetings in cars while they're moving around, and the gospel is exploding in Iran. And I'm not so much engaged and interested. I am a Christian, and I do want to see that gospel spread, but I'm not so much interested in doing a Christian takeover of Iran. That's not my point, although it is interesting that Christianity is on the rise. What I'm mainly interested in seeing is that these beautiful, amazing people in Iran can be free, that the world can be free of the tyranny and the terror and the devastation and the bloodshed and the hatred that the Iranian government constantly encourages and constantly foists upon the world, and that we can see 
a bit more peace and stability in that region. And by the way, we're going to have to deal with Vladimir Putin. We're going to have to deal with China. Now, some of this is negotiation. Some of this is backing people off. Some of this is trade. I'm not saying it's all armed. But I will tell you that we are coming to a moment where we're going to have to decide that we will take on Iran if we have to. Now, quick word about the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin. I find it odd, and I think it's a little bit sad, that in the West, especially in the United States, and especially on the right side of the political spectrum, because Vladimir Putin could cite history because he was articulate, um, because he presented Russia as almost a traditional values stronghold, that people just began to turn all because of one two-hour interview. And that, to me, says that people in the West are desperate for leadership. They're desperate for somebody who's stable. I mean, look at what we're dealing with in, in the American presidential politics as it's currently arising, either Mr. Biden or Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump just within 72 hours of when I'm recording this, said that he would encourage Russia to attack a NATO country that had not paid its full dues. The whole idea of NATO is to withstand Soviet and then uh, neo-Russian empire kinds of incursions. But no, no, no. Mr. Trump gets up and says he would actually tell Russia, do your worst. If they decided to attack a NATO ally which has not paid its full NATO dues. Now, I think all NATO countries should pay their dues, no question, pay their full share. But to encourage Russia to attack, while right now we're dealing with an unbelievable, bloody, destructive war in Ukraine, all a result of Mr. Putin's fevered imagination. So I think people, especially on the right in America, watched this interview and thought they saw a bit of a hero, a man who was articulate, a man who could talk history, uh, a, a man who could would told lies about, about trying to engage in peace. He can have peace in the next 24 hours if he wants it. He created this war in the Ukraine, in Ukraine. I shouldn't say the Ukraine. He has launched criminal brigades against Ukraine. He has flown drone weapons and, and had them fire weapons into schools, into shopping malls, into apartment complexes. He's vicious. He's bloody. He's known to assassinate his political opponents. He is a tyrant. And tyrants have often been articulate. Tyrants have often given good speeches. Tyrants have often been, been able to recite uh, certain even poetic versions of history. So don't get fobbed off by a two-hour interview. I'm glad Tucker did the, uh, did the interview. I think it's great. I like that tradition in American journalism, of prominent American journalism talking to world leaders and getting their, their perspectives aired. But there were, there were prominent journalists who interviewed uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini. There were prominent journalists who interviewed Saddam Hussein. Heck, there were some prominent journalists who interviewed Adolf Hitler. Just because they can pull off a Western-friendly interview does not mean that they are good people and not evildoers. So we're living in a very, very dangerous world. We need strong leadership in D.C., and i got to tell you quite frankly, as it's currently aligned, our current presidential election process is not going to give us those leaders in 2024. But understand the master plan. Much of what we're dealing with, much of what you see in the headlines is because of Iran on the move. And I want to say also, because I know I have a lot of elected leaders who listen to this podcast, those of you who are in a position to do so, be aware that 
the Kurds in the north of Iraq are supposed to be uh, receiving funds from the budget, from Western largesse, from petroleum sales um, th- through via Baghdad, are not receiving those funds. So there's an attempt to starve the Kurds uh, economically on the part of Baghdad, uh, the KRG region, and then, of course, to to use that as a means of driving the U.S. out of the Middle East. We need the Middle, the West and the Middle East and those who are of influence. We need to be pressuring Baghdad to open up the economic floodgates to the Kurds in the north, to the KRG. All of these things are critical. Most Americans don't understand them. We can help get them up to speed. But it's time for some folks to act in D.C. and not be preoccupied with whether Taylor Swift shows up at the Super Bowl. Let's get real. Let's get serious. Let's get busy. Let's get safe. Might be time for us to do some restructuring in this world. Field is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.